The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. If you like the content that we're producing, be sure to hit subscribe. That way, every week when we drop a new episode, you're going to get notified. You're going to know about it. A lot of people think about foster care or they think about adopting and they're hit with these feelings of fear and anxiety. And oftentimes, feelings like fear and anxiety, they come from the unknown. Today, I'm going to speak with someone who has actually done it. Dustin DeVries was a foster parent who then adopted two children. They're ages 11 and 12. And what I appreciated about this conversation is that Dustin explained the full scope of everything. He talked about the process, he talked about the challenges, but he also talked about the successes and the real impact that it's had on his life. So I think you're gonna get a lot from this conversation. Let's check it out. We decided, well, after we got married, let's take a few years just to get to know each other well and kind of establish our life set this trajectory then we'll start thinking about having kids we kind of went through that process and then we're like all right now it's time to to start down this path we're ready uh i don't know if you're ever completely 100 ready to have kids uh but you know we we felt like we were and then we were just having a lot of issues with that It, it it wasn't working out so we started looking at different options uh to see what what would what would work for us and you know pursuing avenues through through science uh things you know we started to get into talking about things like in vitro fertilization those sort of things and i think as we started getting into that you know you start looking at the cost you start looking at all the different things that are involved and you start thinking well you know in the back of your mind at least for us we're sitting there thinking there's a lot of a lot of kids that are in need a lot of uh situations where where there's kids who don't have homes and so you know, we started thinking about that. We started consulting with some others that, that were, were close to us. We are spiritual. So in our case, we went, talked to uh, one of our, our pastor at church about some of our concerns. And, you know, we never had anyone really try to force an agenda on us or go down a certain path. It's just as we started exploring the different avenues, it was like, this is something we feel we feel called to. We felt like it was something we wanted to go and pursue. And so we did. And, uh, you know, the journey, once we, once we sort of opened our hearts to that, I think a lot of doors really opened for us. And it just, it felt like a really natural thing, whereas the path we were on didn't feel natural. And I think, you know, I'm a firm believer that there was like a purpose behind, behind this and the decisions that we, that we made. And I think it was up to us as individuals and as a married couple to figure out what that purpose was. And And I think we found it. Yeah. Well, the word I was thinking as you were speaking was calling and you said that. And yeah, that's just interesting how you had some exposure to it through your family and it just seemed like the right thing to do. I know the licensing process can be super daunting for people. Uh, What was your experience like or was there anything that surprised you about all of it? Um. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a surprise. I mean, there's all the things that I think a lot of the foster uh parents 
like to joke about and we look back with uh sort of fond memories kind of chuckle about you know once we get past Maybe it now but that it's in the past yeah in the past yeah but when you're going through it it's a little weird I mean for example you know when our kiddos came to live with us they were seven months and two years old and you know we have we lived in a two-story house and we had to post evacuation routes on the first and second floor of our home mm -hmm. and it seems kind of weird it's like yeah our kids can't read they're too young to like what is this actually accomplishing there's other things like you know making sure if you have like a a bag of potato chips it's like one day expired it goes in the trash you know if you get they come and do the home study uh any kind of home audit kind of thing and they find expired food that's you know a, a no-no and, and a lot of these things i mean i think everyone's kind of realistic about it like when they come in it's not like you're getting penalized and it's like well you got to fix this you're going to the back kind of thing right uh -huh. it's it's one of those things it's just it's the policy and i think when i started to look at all of that sort of stuff that, that came up and I started looking at it through the, the lens of just uh, litigation and like the liability that's involved because the state's having to intercede because there's a parent or parents here that are not meeting the basic needs of their, of their children. But that doesn't mean they've completely relinquished all of their rights to those children. It means yeah. that the kids are kind of in the state of limbo. And so the state is trying to manage what they need to do Plus all the, also the liability side of things with, uh, you know, they don't want to take a kid out of a home and put them in a home that's, that's even, even worse. Right. Yeah, so, sure. um, and certainly, I mean, they're usually not coming out of the home, you know, having slightly expired food is not quite the same as probably the, the conditions that they're coming from, but still, you know, the state's just trying to mitigate liability. And I think you just had to kind of learn to live with that. Just realize that's just part of the process. Yeah, well, I'd rather them be more thorough than not thorough enough. And even though it's a long process, I mean, it probably makes you really think about the decision that you're making. D did you have any doubts going in or ever second guess yourself or anything? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody probably does. And, you know, you start, I think for us, like once we, we were approved, we had, you know, done all of the hours of training and everything that we needed to do. And we started getting calls for, for placements, you know, you get some, it's difficult, you know, because I can remember we, we got some calls about some initial placements that were kids that had like some very severe uh, health issues and things like that. And it's hard to sit there and hear something like that. And then you sort of have, at least in our case, we would get a call about a placement and then we'd have to make a decision like within, you know, five minutes, five or 10 minutes about wow. is this, you know, the right situation. So we're sitting there scrambling, like trying to figure it out. And also, you know, unfortunately, for, yeah, unfortunately, no, there's no fortunate part of it. I don't think there were some that we we said no to just because we saw it was a pretty extreme situation and we didn't feel like, you know, it was it felt like too much. But then you sit there and look back on that and think, you know, wonder what happened to, you know, this child that maybe we were called for this other child that we were called for. And I mean, it was, it's just, it's, it's tough. I mean, there's, you know, you kind of have to look at it as at least, I think this is how we looked at it, my wife and I, that we're doing something good. We're doing something to help. That doesn't mean that we need to take on every single challenge that possibly comes before us, we need to be realistic. We need to set ourselves up for success. And I think that's kind of what we tried, we tried to do. And, you know, we ended up adopting two kids that were, they were a younger sibling group. Um, 
not that they didn't have their own challenges, but fortunately when they came to us, you know, pretty much healthy and, and uh, it was a, it was enough of a challenge. It was that, you know, it did challenge us and push us, but it was, it was a true blessing for us, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It really is tough when you start getting the calls and you start having to think in the heat of the moment, like well, yes or no. Minutes too. I mean, that's such a short amount of time to make a decision like that. I think just yeah. it's so overwhelmed. And so it's like, if there's a resource, they got to plug it in as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just kind of a symptom of society too, that there's not more of an emphasis and funds towards helping people like that. You know, I think, I think you're probably right. And I think sometimes with that, you know, they probably have a list that they're going through. And in our case, we went through a, a I don't, you, you probably understand this better, Bobby, than I do, but the different types of agencies, this was more of a private placement agency. I mean, they worked with the state, but uh, it was a yeah. faith-based organization. So, you know, I think when they have a, a child or children that need to be placed and they're spreading a net, uh, you know, to different agencies and those agencies are reaching out. And so everyone's trying, you know, everyone has good intentions. They're trying to find a placement. And so, you know, in our case, it's like, well, if we sat on it for a day, you know, to think about it and then get back and then they got to go to the next person on the list. It's like, this is another day. Someone else says, yeah, it's two weeks later. And yeah. 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 But I I think, you know, at the end of the day, like for us, it was about once when we got the call for our two kiddos and we looked at each other and I remember just like, saying I think this is the one and you know we said yes and uh you know certainly I'm sure if we would have like said yes and you know an hour later had a change of heart we probably could have called called back but you know at the end of the day we we knew we were getting into what we wanted to do and all that training prepares you for all that you know you're not blindsided by this necessarily right so you're talking about faith is sort of like taking a leap of faith here that it's like I don't know how this is going to go but we're going to try our best I think a lot of parents get worried, you know, adoptive parents or foster parents are worried about, did this child have a lot of trauma and how is that going to come up as they get older? What's your experience with all that, Ben? You know, I don't think there's any, I, I, I mean, I can't say I can't quantify this in any way, but I can't imagine that there's any situation, uh, where a child doesn't have some level of trauma. Yeah. If they're coming from a home where and maybe they maybe there are things going on the child wasn't exposed to. I mean, that's probably like the best case, right? Like maybe maybe the parents were involved in something or it could even be, you know, something happened to the parents uh, that uh, for whatever reason. And now the child doesn't doesn't have have parents anymore. So, you know, there may not be necessarily trauma that they were experiencing every day of their lives, but there's still some kind of trauma just from being separated from their biological parents right and so I think that it's important to realize it's going to be the case every time but you know one of the nice things is there are a lot of uh facilities available you know as as foster parents to be able to to deal with that there's plenty of resources you know we never had a problem in terms of as overworked as our foster agency was um we never had a problem being able to call them up well and I think just being like a consistent person there for them and any child can have challenges, but seeing like what resources are in the community, because you're never alone. You know, there's always someone you can reach out to or something you can try or something you can do. And I think as long as parents just don't feel trapped, they realize those resources are there. That's huge. Do they ask about their bio parents very much? Um, They do. And we've 
try to not really hide things. I mean, there's, we also don't know a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we don't know the whole history. We know some things that we can share with them. Um, yeah. Did yeah, they always yeah. know they were adopted? Like, cause I know they're really little. Did you have like a time where you told them or? Yeah, no, we always, we, I think we decided from the beginning just to be open and transparent about that so that there wouldn't be like this time we had to sit down and yeah. like have the conversation, you know, and I, I don't know that there's, there's a prescribed way to handle that. That's how we felt comfortable handling it. We thought if we just made that natural as part of all this and we also knew because of you know, at some point they were gonna reach an age they realized okay well you know i don't look like yeah, my parents something's not out. something's wrong here like some someone yeah. didn't put me in on something and we decided to take a more active approach of just doing that from the the beginning and being open with them and so that way we could have conversations about it and like you know our our son for example he was two when he came to live with us and we had to go through for basically a year go through visitation uh you know that involved every once every week maybe once every other week going and taking them to visitation with uh with bio parents and bio family and so um you know our son was old enough he remembers his his first dad and uh some of the things around around that so hmm. what have been some proud moments for you through all this I mean, just seeing them grow, seeing them mature, uh, seeing them uh, achieve what what they've what they've achieved, uh, seeing them overcome the uh, obstacles that they had, and and turn those from from liabilities into assets, so to speak. Because you know, I really believe is old adage: "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." And I think that when you learn to to deal with these things, and you realize you can survive the kind of trauma that they dealt with you know we're always reminding them of uh that these things are, are, are things that don't us i don't know if pride is the right word to be proud about proud that they were able to 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 thrive despite those those things that were up against them but just being being proud of themselves and not to, not to treat it as you know a, a handicap or to adopt a, a victim mentality not that they aren't victims I mean, if there's anyone in this world who's a victim it's it's a young child who is thrown into a home that has such severe problems that the state needs to to intervene and remove them from that home if there's anyone in this world that's a victim i can't think of anyone else who's more of a victim than someone who's put in that that kind of mode but if you can turn that into a strength and I think that's what has made us the most proud of seeing them do that, seeing them excel at school, seeing them build friends, build lifelong friends, seeing them excel at sports or excel in, in art or music or whatever it might be. It's just been really powerful, I think, for, for us and to see that change and know that we had a part in that and that we enabled them to, to achieve all these things, I think is, is huge. Yeah. Do you think you've learned anything about yourself or your relationship, your wife through all this? Oh yeah, without doubt. I mean, sort of the same thing of just learning to overcome and, and persevere. And uh, I think the the way I've lived my life, you have mentioned that a lot of this was, I think we, we were inspired by our faith to do some, to make some of the decisions we made. And I think it's, it's made me, it, it's reinforced that. And I don't know that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be Christian or religious or anything. I think it's more about just feeling in tune with the world and wanting to feel inspired 
to do something bigger and to try to make a, a change in the world, but then also being willing to accept that we all have a purpose. And I really believe that whether you're, you know, religious or not, if you're an atheist, agnostic, whatever, I think you can still kind of think of life in terms of having a purpose in life. Yeah. What's your impact? And I think that that was huge to me because when you kind of lead from that and you say, start to take this hands off where it's like, I know this is my life, but maybe I'm not the one driving the car. Maybe I'm not the one, you know, the conductor at the front of the train, right? Maybe I'm actually uh, leaning on something else, whether it's a higher being or it's, you know, something else in this world that's, that's drawing me a certain way, using my skills and what I've developed over the course of my life to be able to help the world. And I'm going to be more passive and let the world sort of dictate what's, what's the correct course to take as opposed to having all this planned out in my head and saying, this is how I'm going to execute my life. This is what I'm going to do when I'm 30. This is what I'm going to do when I'm 35, 40, 45. Instead, being a little more flexible on that and open, at least, if nothing else, I think that's been huge for me because then it, it's, it's almost like it's sort of empowering. Sometimes you feel like you want to have control of your life and control everything that happens, which I get that. But if you can be more relaxed on that and allow, you know, whatever it is, fate or whatever it might be to kind of take over. There's something empowering about that because then you feel like no matter what you're doing, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you know that you're at least trying to do the right thing. And I think that's that's huge. Well, thank you for being here, Dustin. I know you're not doing it for the props, but you know it's an amazing thing to adopt. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thank you, Bobby. And I love everything you do on the podcast. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Dustin. You know, you think about what is my impact on this world? What am I actually doing? And to adopt two children, that's a major impact right there. This has been the Parental Compass presented by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. I hope everyone has a great holiday. We'll see you next week. Peace.